Are you interested in simple steps to heal the root cause of your health issues? Whether it's anxiety, depression, insomnia, weight gain, hormonal issues, digestive issues, or any difficult to treat condition? Welcome to Heal Your Body, Cure Your Mind, where you'll get most of the answers for your health concerns and benefit from the latest techniques in naturopathic medicine, functional medicine, and psychotherapy to heal your mind and body together. As a naturopathic doctor, psychotherapist, and best-selling author, I've also created a free ebook and online course for you at drameet.com. That's D-R-A-M-E-E-T.com, where you'll get tons of tips to heal your mind, your body, your emotions, your gut, your liver, inflammation, and other things that go wrong in your body. Without further ado, with lots of love to your beautiful heart, here's your podcast for this week. Welcome to the Biology of Trauma Summit. I am here with Dr. Amit, and he is someone who comes very highly recommended from a number of my colleagues. And so I'm very excited to have him here today. He is actually someone who's been voted top number 43 innovative and naturopathic clinicians in the world. And you are going to see why. He has this awesome combination of psychotherapy and medicine and has authored a book, and he is going to be talking to us today about this mind-body medicine connection and something that I really love about how he sees the world and sees our body is that every symptom, every condition, every disease has both a physical and an emotional component. You can't separate them. And so even if someone is presenting primarily with a physical symptom, we're still going to be looking at the emotional connection underneath that. So Dr. Amit, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to interview you. Thank you, me as well. And greetings from Kenya, everyone. Uh, we're going to dive deep into the gut, the liver, the emotions, the adrenal glands. So stay tuned, I guess. Eh? And I would love for you to share a little bit about your story, because how does, how does someone become both a naturopathic physician and a psychotherapist coming from a computer engineer background, I believe? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't give that away. Um, so I grew up in Kenya. I quit the computer industry in the Silicon Valley, uh, volunteered on mobile clinics in the north of Kenya uh, with a naturopathic doctor from Bastyr. Um, and I fell in love with the medicine. So I went back to Canada, jumped into naturopathic college, and didn't have a life, uh, got introduced to someone who was into psychotherapy and decided to follow psychotherapy because he had an art of conversation, a presence that I was very intrigued by. Most people are just talking unawares or they're in a cliche lair. And this guy had presence. And so I was intrigued by psychotherapy purely for more personal growth reasons. I actually didn't believe in psychology. I thought it was all nonsense. And it was a very powerful experience. Um, studying naturopathic medicine and psychotherapy at the same time. Um, potential recipe for burnout, for sure. At the same time, psychotherapy empowered me to let go of emotional baggage that was using up my energy and my nervous system. So in a way, I could handle naturopathic college um, even better because I wasn't ruminating on what people were saying or emotional turmoil or getting caught up in people's other dramas. Yeah, I knew the games they were playing, not on purpose, but, you know, we all have subtle manipulations and we're stuck in a role. So I could sense all these things and let go of them very quickly and just hold on to my own energy, hold my presence 
and focus on what I needed to do. And that's the beauty of psychotherapy, really peeling away layers of interference on your mind so you, you get sharper and more focused. I love it because trauma and emotional stuff, drama, it really drains our energy. Mm -hmm, and, <laughs> and it really does affect the body, affects the biology. And so it, it could really lead to burnout. And mm -hmm. this is something that I found, you know, when I adopted my son was just how much trauma does affect one's biology. And that's, you know, what got me into this field. So I know that you've, you've got your reasons and your science behind how does trauma actually affect the body? How does it cause things like anxiety and depression? So walk us through your model for understanding how trauma affects the body. Okay. Um, there's multiple ways. We'll, we'll start with the basics first, yeah? So trauma or adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, are anything overwhelming for your nervous system, yeah? That causes you to have fear or anger, or a fight or flight response as well as a freeze response. So people just freeze inside. That's the nervous system just locking down. And in the fight, flight or freeze response, what happens is your adrenal glands are triggered to make adrenaline and cortisol. And over time now with, with trauma, as well as daily stresses, your adrenal glands are constantly pushed to exhaustion. And even if you're an adult now and you've had childhood trauma, and you haven't resolved it, that trauma is sitting in your nervous system. And it's perpetually stimulating your adrenal glands to be on guard, to have a certain view of the world, to feel unsafe, you know, to, to have this body armor that we're always like making sure that we're looking okay, or we're looking strong, or even we're looking like very needy, because sometimes that's also a game we play to get what we want. All that uses energy from the adrenal system. And that's unresolved trauma. You combine that with the daily stresses of financial issues, marital issues, um, late nights, you know, uh, bright lights outside your room so you're not going into a deep sleep. This combined effect burns you up faster than if you didn't have trauma and you were just faced with daily stresses. When you go into adrenal burnout, what happens is then your adrenal glands don't produce cortisol and adrenaline in a nice well, they don't produce cortisol in a nice circadian rhythm, right? You get a cortisol imbalance. And that then begins to suppress thyroid hormones, serotonin, dopamine, melatonin, GABA, all your brain chemicals, as well as your thyroid hormone, leading to anxiety, depression, OCD, feeling of overwhelm, unable to cope with things, breaking down in tears easily when life feels stressful, right? That's all adrenal burnout due to trauma, yeah, combined with daily stresses. And the daily stresses feel more overwhelming to people who have been traumatized because those daily stresses actually trigger the unresolved wounds that we all carry within us, yeah? So if you've been wounded as a child and you, you face an aggressive boss, then you will feel more overwhelmed and more vulnerable, yeah, and have a stronger response than somebody who had a healthier or safer upbringing, right? So your nervous system is already fragile when you've gone through trauma, leading to- Yeah, that is one of the, the frustrating things from the experience of people who've been through trauma, right? Is that it lends itself to more trauma. It lends itself to the nervous system that is more 
prone to experience stress as even more stressful and overwhelming, rather than giving them a break, it just keeps them even more in that survival mode. Would you say, Dr. Meath, that you would think that most people have degrees of trauma or in your view, is it really only limited to people who experience you know, a significant event? Uh, they have a high ACE score. Who, who are the people that, that might have these nervous systems? Is it everybody in general or what, what's that degree and spectrum of trauma? Right. So I think everyone does carry some element of trauma in them. Um, I'm also a family constellations therapist. So I work a lot with ancestral trauma and imbalances and secrets in the family system that are actually causing an imbalance in your energy field as well. And we'll talk about that later. And so everyone is carrying some form of trauma, whether it's their own or ancestral trauma. And trauma doesn't have to be like something very harsh, like sexual abuse or violence or seeing your parents fighting. It could be your mom going away for a month or two and you're left with your grandparents. And your bond with your mom is usually very strong. Yeah, that's the giver of life. And when she's absent, when no you're matter very what, like just having that experience in the uterus and that nine months of pregnancy <clears throat> with your mom, yeah. like that forms a bond with your mom, even if you were say even adopted at birth, it's yeah. still the birth mom that you you have that type of connection and bond with. Very strongly, very strongly. And so some parents don't realize by leaving their kid abandoned or even I've had people who were in an incubator for too long and there was no sense of bonding with, with the mom. And so they become aversion, averse to touch or being held for too long because of that fear of abandonment again, right? So they're quite like, I don't like to be touched. And when you hold on to these people for long enough, suddenly they soften, yeah? And then they break down and they let the love in. Yeah. So I would say a lot of people are carrying trauma, whether it's violent trauma or abandonment trauma. Yeah. And blocking out love, blocking out feeling another person's really compassion for them. Right. Because they have to, they've had to survive on their own and make it through life on their own, in their own minds. And what we understand from attachment theory now and how it's moved into understanding the regulation of the nervous system that's behind attachment is that a parent's and especially a mom's nervous system is what she will be sharing with her young child. And so the foundations of their nervous system and how they experience the world, whether as being generally safe or generally not safe and need to be guarded happens mm -hmm. by 12 months of life. And so even that just establishes the foundation for their life. Add on top of that, some of this ancestral trauma that you've brought in already to the conversation. And mm -hmm. we go into adulthood. We go into, you know, these experiences in life with a lot of potential baggage that weighs us down. That really is an energy cost to our system and a mm -hmm. huge to our adrenal glands, <laughs> right? But they, Absolutely. it's, it's a setup, you know, for, for burnout for a lot of people without even realizing all the stuff that's underneath the surface that's going on and stored in their nervous system. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the funny thing is then when you burn out your adrenal glands and your cortisol levels are imbalanced, right? 
then like I was saying, the thyroid hormone gets affected and other cytokines and chemicals get affected in your body and leading to, so I'll explain a bit. So when you have a cortisol imbalance, generally you have more weight gain, blood sugar imbalances, leading to diabetes, obesity, et cetera. Also what happens is when you have a cortisol imbalance, your thyroid hormone, um, the active form T3, um, diminishes. Yeah, the T4 to T3 conversion doesn't happen so well. And T3 is needed for your intestinal cells to be to be healthy, yeah? To have a nice, so your gut has a nice lining there. It's like a barrier that keeps all the toxins out of your blood. And over time with antibiotic use, poor diet, etc., the good bacteria in your gut get killed off and this lining gets damaged and you get holes in there. And then toxins leak into the bloodstream causing inflammation everywhere, leading cause for asthma, eczema, arthritis, etc. Now, Apart from poor diets, like too much gluten, too much dairy, too much alcohol, and too many antibiotics, which destroy the lining, cortisol imbalances leading to a T3 reduction also causes a leaky gut, meaning more toxins flow into the bloodstream, causing a worsening of physical symptoms. And that's why when people are stressed, you'll see that their eczema might flare up or their arthritis might flare up right? Because of that cortisol imbalance and the inflammatory reaction that pursues after. That is very true. And I'm glad that you brought that up because in times of stress, there's a lot that happens in our gut. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of food sensitivities that a person may have, those are going to be worse in times mm-hmm. of stress than when they're feeling well, because that gut lining is more intact. It's, it's healthy. It's functioning well when they're doing well, when they're in the parasympathetic state, but when they go into that, uh, both the flight, uh, fight and flight or the freeze response, there are so many other changes that happen and inflammation in the gut is a big one causing a lot of problems. Absolutely. And also what happens is they've discovered that the vagus nerve, this beautiful nerve that controls many of your organs, it actually sends out chemical signals into your intestines. Yeah. Known as cytokines. And these chemical signals actually affect the bacteria in your gut as well as the lining and the environment in there. And when you're stressed, um, you breathe differently. And when you breathe differently, your vagus nerve gets affected and releases the wrong or danger chemicals into your gut, compromising gut function, right? And when you breathe very shallow, then your diaphragm doesn't massage your liver, right? And your liver is your master organ. It produces bile, it detoxifies your body, stores vitamins, helps with blood sugar control, cholesterol management, etc. So with chronic, chronic stress, from daily stress as well as unresolved trauma, you go more into shallow breathing and more liver stagnation. With that, then you have less bile flow, right? So meaning the environment in your gut is not as healthy. So you have an imbalance of gut bacteria, one. Number two, you have less lubrication, so more constipation. A lot of people just pop laxatives instead of healing the liver, big mistake. And then you get more gas, bloating, heartburn, indigestion, GERD, etc. right? So that's the connection between the gut, the liver, emotions, and trauma. The liver is also the master organ in Chinese medicine for hormones, yeah? And so with liver stagnation, 
due to, let's say, shallow breathing, as well as chronic inflammation from a leaky gut, as well as from toxins, medications, life, um, things in the environment. Um, liver stagnation then leads to a hormonal imbalance, usually progesterone deficiency, estrogen excess, but there's a whole range of different variables. And with that, then people will experience more PMS symptoms, breast tenderness, gas, bloating, you know, crying, sadness, etc. And they're put on the birth control pill, which then depletes your body of B vitamins, destroys the gut lining, worsens the symptoms. So when you heal inflammation, you detoxify your liver in the right way, which I covered in the online course and in my book, and you resolve emotional trauma, you know, with certain healing exercises, uh, psychotherapy, you name it, then the body comes into balance faster. You need less supplements to manage your symptoms as well. And over time, you will also need less, um, yeah, less therapy, less medications, less probiotics, you name it. One of the things that I've noticed for people coming out of early childhood with this level of stress in their nervous system, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. their, their biology, their physiology to them feels like it's in chaos. They have usually several different types of symptoms. They feel like they're on fire everywhere. Lots of inflammation, whether inflammation in their gut, maybe even some joint stuff, some autoimmune stuff, maybe headaches, migraines, things that feel like they could be inflammation in the brain as well. But it just feels like everything is chaos. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when they sit down and try to think about what would their steps be towards healing, it feels very complicated because it feels like there's there's no understanding. There's no predictable pattern that has played out in their biology to create their current symptoms. Yeah. So just understanding how the trauma is going to affect each of their different systems in their body, right? And it's going to be the adrenal glands, the liver, the intestines, because it's going to affect them uh, individually. And then as a whole, because like you say, the liver affects everything else. The adrenal glands affect everything else. And so it does start to feel like it spirals out of control mm -hmm. and being able to address that, bring that under control is really going to help everything. And so I, I love how you say, right? Like it's not just about taking supplements. If you are having mood issues, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, it's not just about taking supplements mm -hmm. and it's not just about going to therapy. It's, it's this combination of really addressing the biology of what's going on, because that just as much affects the mood as the mood and emotional stuff affects the biology. Absolutely. And that's why I always, uh, whenever I'm treating people, I always focus on healing the pillars of health while we're doing the psychotherapy. So I'll always heal the gut, the liver, and the adrenal glands while releasing emotional trauma. Because also remember, when you have a leaky gut, the wrong foods too much inflammation, then that inflammation stresses your adrenal glands to make cortisol because cortisol manages inflammation. And that can also cause a brain chemical imbalance. So some people's anxiety and depression are purely biochemical due to chronic inflammation and too much toxicity and a progesterone deficiency or testosterone deficiency, etc. cetera, right? Um, so it's really, really important if you want to get the best out of therapy to also heal the gut, the liver, and the adrenal system. Yeah, you'll recover with therapy much, much faster. Mm -hmm. 
And this is actually how I started my work with this Dr. Meat was I was starting to have a lot of symptoms of gut stuff, chronic fatigue stuff, and uh, also the anxiety and depression that was going along with that. And mm -hmm. what I realized was that I didn't want to waste time, <laughs> right? Like here I was in general surgery residency and I don't have a lot of time to get my life together. I don't have a lot of time to sit and do therapy. Like I really need to figure out how do I accelerate my mm -hmm. process, my, my whole entire, you know, mind, body, emotions, everything. And so it was out of that desire to, to accelerate that healing process that really got me started on figuring out what are the most effective ways that I can do that for my, for my body. And similar mm -hmm. to you, you know, my path led to this combination of medicine and different body-based therapies that really work with the nervous system and actually mm -hmm. allow that trauma, allow those emotional experiences to be completed so that they're mm -hmm. not stuck in the nervous system. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about ancestral stuff because I know that there's a lot of interest for this. Mm -hmm. And give us your, your understanding, your model for the ancestral uh, trauma and how that affects our body and our biology. And as, as a physician, do you see that as similar to epigenetics or different from epigenetics? Okay, I think epigenetics would be like the, the visual clarification or verification of the possibility of ancestral trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's different schools of belief that explain it in different ways. Yeah, whether it's the soul or energy fields, etc. So I'll try my best to give you a combined explanation, both medical and energetic. Um, so we all belong to a family system. You come from parents and those parents come from their parents. Yeah. And so there's a whole lineage before you. And from the beginning, each of those set of parents is passing down information and beliefs down, 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 down. So you're born into a system of beliefs, of thoughts, of, of emotions, feelings, as well as your physiology, of course, is affected genetically by all your predecessors. And what we find in family constellation therapy is that we have a loyalty to our ancestors and people in our family system. Yeah, what do I mean by a loyalty? It's like an attachment, an energetic bond, yeah, to not only your parents and grandparents, but also your parents' siblings and your, maybe your great-grandparents' uncles and aunts and stuff like that. And what we're finding in family constellations therapy is that if there's been some sort of trauma in the family system, right, whether it's a murder, rape, abandoned child, miscarriage, abortion, you name it, the, the, the further generations that's like us, the living people, can sense this missing piece or this unresolved trauma. And strangely enough, in order to include that person who's missing or that event which hasn't been acknowledged fully, we will almost start resembling or representing some of that energy through skin issues, maybe migraines, stomach pains, depression, a longing for death. I see that often if there's a if there's a missing child unacknowledged, yeah, a child who's died early, miscarried or aborted child, for example, or an early death of a parent. Um, the children or 
or other people in the family can be quite either consciously or unconsciously bonded to that child or to that person. And that bonding can often manifest as this low energy, um, chronic depression, often a desire for death as well, yeah, longing to just go now. Yeah. And you might think it's depression and you really feel like it's your feelings, right? And when you do a good consolation therapy, uh, which I do in different forms, either online or with people in groups, etc. When you do a good therapy, you actually let go of that energetic bond with people. Yeah. And you can feel yourself again, your authentic self, minus the influence or en what we call entanglement with the others. And when you get a sense of who you are, minus all that noise, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's beautiful. Suddenly you have this vitality, this will to live. You know, your stress levels go down. You have more clarity about your life, better decision-making skills. Everything improves. And that's what I love about family constellations therapy is that it really treats the root cause. Because you can spend years in therapy and never realize that your issues are because of a trauma that's happened to one of the ancestors. Another example of a family constellation intervention is like I've had a lot of clients who believe they're the first child in, this, in, the, in the nuclear family or the only child or something. And lo and behold, there is a miscarried or aborted child before them. And they don't know that yet. And maybe they, and they have symptoms of anxiety, overwhelmed, they're not sure what's going on. And then I'll ask them, please go find out about any missing children in your family system. And when they realize that there is a missing child, I will get them to, in a constellation setting, I'll get them to imagine their parents in front of them, then this child before them, and then them in their correct position in the family system. And it's unbelievable, Amy. Yeah. These people need less therapy over time because something very deep has been resolved. Yeah. Suddenly I feel, okay, this is my correct place. I, I acknowledge something that was missing or a secret that was not talked about. And that was disturbing my nervous system. But when we're all in truth and I really understand where I belong, then I don't have to fight so hard to make up for something that's missing, right? And genetically speaking, what they've seen is if um, your grandmother, yeah, your grandmother was traumatized, let's say in the war or the Holocaust or some other trauma, and she's pregnant, well, first of all, her physiology changes, yeah, and her ovaries change, and the eggs in her ovary change. And your mom is born of the, that physiology change. So your mom's physiology is already altered. And so that means when you're born off your mom, your physiology will be altered as well based on the traumas that your grandparents have experienced. And they've seen that um, children born of survivors of 9-11, for example, are more prone to anxiety or depression, right? Because their nervous system has been altered. Right. So that's a bit of the energetic loyalty, soul, belonging explanation, plus a bit of biological genetic explanation. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. And this, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking of individual patients that I've had over the years or individual people that I've talked with, and they just got stuck in their healing process. Right. Mm -hmm. And for medical issues or their medical conditions, and they're taking a ton of different supplements. 
And the missing piece for them ended up being this trauma therapy and some of it being the ancestral trauma and, and being able to look back at see what their family history was, things, secrets that they didn't know about their family, but that are impacting their body, their biology, their nervous system, and keeping mm -hmm. them stuck without them realizing it. It's such an unconscious thing. We don't, we don't even realize what's underneath the surface sometimes until we're forced based on mm -hmm. our, our health to go searching for those. Absolutely. And they even talk about this in the Bible. They say, you know, the sins of our grandparents go down seven generations or, and it's also, that includes also the traumas, you know, I don't know if the limit is seven generations down, but they talk about it in, in spiritual books, right? The passing on of karma or influences down through the generations. And uh, for, fortunately, unfortunately, these can be healed. Like I've, I've had a lot of, um, I guess, influential politicians sometimes their kids come in and they're yeah some of them there's yeah there's heavy backgrounds there there's corruption there's misdemeanors everything and the kids are paying the price mm -hmm. and there is resolution but then i wonder then who pays the price then if we do resolve these issues right um so it's it's a bit of a balance mm -hmm. yeah that before and after uh, can be so dramatic so transformative and it's it's a privilege i'm sure you would feel the same like it's an honor it's a privilege to be part of someone else's journey and walk them through that transformation to um, take them from where they are at to feeling like they are they are complete they are you know in their own truth in their own energy and mm -hmm. and being able to thrive like it it really not only changes their health but it changes uh, everything like it changes their ability to be more present for everything in their life to actually feel more alive and be more alive with uh, their freed up nervous system and biology now working for them rather than dragging and still being stuck in survival mode. Yeah, no, it, it's really a blessing, a gift, you know, to get to know people so closely. Yeah, to in that vulnerable place where no one else sees. You know, you're contacting the the soul of a person and to be in contact with the soul of people you know as a living person is such a gift because when we're having a coffee or walking on the streets it's very rare that we'll have that type of intimacy yeah even with our closest friends yeah we're often in a cliche layer um, but the depth of intimacy and contact like we call it is a beautiful experience both for the therapist and the client as well yeah because we want to live from that place of truth and openness and freedom yeah and this is something that you speak on this is part of the process that you teach actually is kind of holding the space for someone's story and you call it healing your story a story of your health or or whatever it may be story of your health story of your family but holding the space for that story is part of the healing process that, that you teach as part of what is necessary uh, for this mind-body medicine approach. Yeah, um, holding the space and also allowing the person to become aware of what their narrative is in their minds about their lives. You know, we have a fixed narrative in our mind, this is the, and that things went a certain way. 
And that narrative can be quite traumatizing for a person. It re-traumatizes a person. You have this constant rumination in the story we have and the beliefs we have about ourselves, about the people around us in our lives. And by holding the space for a client and allowing them to become aware of the words they're using, yeah, and giving them the option of choosing different words, still as effective, mm -hmm. yeah, different words that give them a different perspective. Is it without forcing them to change their belief about what happened? Because that's insulting their experience. Well, I never try and convince people that it didn't happen. Nothing like that. No, it's really saying, you know, I was, if somebody says I was really frightened of this person, I'll ask them to say, I try saying, I really wanted to get away from this person. They get a sudden paradigm shift just with that, those simple words. And that frees up some energy in the nervous system and gives a break to the adrenal glands as well. Yeah, so this gentle massaging, loving therapy. Um, really, sorry, I lost track of what we were talking about, but that's, that's what really frees up energy in the nervous system and allows people to be more free. And then you go into like how people can strengthen their body, right? And, and this is sort of mm -hmm. a recap of what we talked about where trauma affects really every system of the body, some more than others directly, the adrenal mm -hmm. gland, the liver, the nervous system, the immune system being primary ones that are affected by trauma. We can see these patterns in someone's biology, mm -hmm. very predictable patterns. And that'll be something that people after the summit will have an opportunity to go into more is actually looking at these predictable patterns on the biology from trauma. But your point in strengthening the body is that once once you are able to do that, the therapy process goes much faster, right? It's almost a way of bringing in resilience and tolerance to stress that they didn't yep. have before, <laughs> but now they're <laughs> able to uh, both accomplish more in therapy and need less supplements, need less support of the uh, biology that has been affected by the trauma or emotional issues. Exactly. Exactly, because imagine now you have brain fog because of inflammation and the wrong foods, right? When you go to a therapist, you're going to be depressed, not because of the traumas, but because of the bogged down chemicals in your brain, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when we heal the inflammation and you, you lessen the brain fog, one, you have clarity. Number two, what happens is actually um, when you have excessive cortisol and too much inflammation, um, neuroplasticity doesn't work as well. Neuroplasticity is the ability of your brain to rewire itself and make new connections. And when you go through good therapy, right, some good body therapy, some good emotional release, your brain makes new nervous connections so that you have a different experience of yourself and of life. If you're bogged down with inflammation, with cortisol imbalances, yeah, and food allergies, etc., you're not going to rewire your brain as effectively. Yeah, so the therapy will not sink as deeper. That's my belief. Yeah. Um, so definitely, yeah, I talk about this cellular, what is the cellular state of your nerve, right? So yeah. if you're trying to shift something in therapy, that's great. It requires your nervous system to do something different, to form a mm -hmm. new pathway, a new road. And so thinking of an individual nerve cell can be really helpful and looking at, does it have what it needs to form mm -hmm. a new road? If that individual cell is not nourished enough, doesn't have the nutrients that it needs is struggling for enough energy. It's not going to be making new roads for you. <laughs> like you, you really need to build up that 
ability for it to be neuroplastic, for it to build new roads and integrate in order for things to really shift well. Yeah. And also, like, you might still remain depressed if you're inflamed because your serotonin levels will not increase despite the therapy you're doing, you know. And most of your serotonin and GABA is made in your gut. So if you have compromised liver function, not enough bile in there, and poor growth of good bacteria, right, um, you're you're going to have low neurotransmitters. So you'll be in this low-grade improvement through therapy, but never really feeling resilient until you optimize your body and your biology as well. One of the exciting uh, developments that I have coming, Dr. Meat, is working with Quicksilver Scientific and Dr. Shade on exactly this, creating a protocol, developing a protocol for supporting the liver specifically and its detoxification process while a person is going through therapy because what we know is that even during emotional therapy, you can dip into these pockets, right? Mm-hmm. And, and more toxins can be released from your tissues during those times. And then the toxins are circulating and you're experiencing maybe more fatigue or more anxiety. And it was just like coming out of a great therapy session, coming out of a great experience. And now you're experiencing these negative symptoms again. And part of that right? There's, there's a couple of different factors for that, but part of that could be just the biology of what's going on and increase of toxins being released at those moments. And it's circulating without the liver ability to actually pull those out of the intestines. There's not enough bile. There's not enough, you know, of those, of those necessary factors in order to actually remove the toxins from your blood and then from your gut. And so you're just recirculating toxins, right? And what a what a metaphor for sometimes what we do emotionally too when we're just ruminating on things. We're yeah. just circulating toxic thoughts. Yeah. And also another reason for chronic depression, I think after trauma release and after therapy sometimes, is that we're such in such a fight or flight state that when we release that frenzy. Yes our body shuts down, like we go into resting and that's where we collapse, but it's a healthy collapse. So that low grade energy can actually be a healthier state for us to rewire and reassess our environment from that open, vulnerable place as well. Right. Because we were without realizing we we were using so much energy just to survive and stay alive. Right. And alert. And suddenly when you let go of that, it's like, gosh, I don't have to fight anymore. It's like, Oh, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, it's a, it's a shift of identity. Like, I don't know how to identify with myself being relaxed and not fighting for my life and trying to survive. It's actually scary for very, a lot of people mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah, so, I, think, I think both of us have probably seen that a lot in uh, our colleagues and other professions where that's just how we've always lived life and always needed that adrenaline to get us going, to meet a deadline. Yeah. And- <laughs> And so then when, you know, as soon as the test is over, as soon as the deadline has passed and we've, we've pulled it together, we've made it happen. There is, there's just that collapse because Mm -hmm. we're so used to needing adrenaline to get through life and do what we do. It's, it's just, we've considered it our personality, right? And yet it's Mm -hmm. not really our personality. It's just our nervous system and how it, it is kind of stuck sometimes between this collapse. Sometimes it's even the freeze collapse and overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And then mm-hmm. needing this big adrenaline to get us out of that collapse into movement, to meet a deadline, to study for a test, to 
uh, make a meeting or whatever it is that we're doing. And yeah. that's the pattern of our nervous system, it's the pattern of our biology. So that becomes the pattern of our life is just this collapse and go. There's no, <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no, no regulation. Yeah. And that's why I love homeopathy, actually. So I use a lot of homeopathy in my practice um, to release emotional trauma. Again, a lot of these remedies I'm going to mention are in the online course. Um, there's certain remedies that can release trauma from the past and help the body regulate much faster. Yeah, because homeopathy encompasses the entire person. Yeah, therapy takes a bit of time sometimes for certain people. And homeopathy goes deeper. Um, some remedies like Ignatia is great for heartbreak, for example. Um, natrium muriaticum, also a great remedy for loss of a loved one. Aconite I've used often when there's terrorist attacks. Not that there's so many terrorist attacks, but I've treated um, on two occasions people who've gone through terrorist attacks. And aconite has worked really well, as well as something called rescue remedy. So these are energetic remedies, homeopathic remedies that shift the trauma and the vibrations out of the system much faster and help with what you're talking about, the, that regulate, the ability to regulate much faster so that the person goes into adrenal burnout less or we prevent them from going into adrenal burnout and um, their health picks up faster. They, they don't even go into even sickness because a lot of people after trauma, they'll get stomach issues, you know, chronic even vomiting, ulcers um, because of that fight, flight, freeze response, right? There's, they've internalized fear. They've internalized anger, a lot of rage. Um, you know, they've suppressed themselves and that's just churning away in their biology. So homeopathy is amazing for releasing that energetic influence and re reestablishing resilience. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up as well. Yeah. And this is what I love about, you know, what you and I get to do is we get to combine all these different modalities to really be able to shift things so much faster when, mm -hmm. you know, we're using the, for you, the gestalt therapy and the family constellations. And for me, it's more of the somatic work, the somatic experiencing, combine that mm -hmm. with the homeopathy, combine that with the medicine and the biology and the gut and the liver and the adrenals. Like it becomes this amazing what, what I think that you and I would both agree on is like, this is true medicine. Like this is mm -hmm. truly helping Absolutely. the body and healing the body. Absolutely. Cause the mind and body are not separate. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's our duty as clinicians to work with the body and the mind or the whole person and not even calling it body and mind, just the whole person. Right. Um, and not ignoring one or the other. It's like, if I ignore the mind, it's as bad as a, a doctor ignoring diet when they're trying to heal somebody's obesity or, or cholesterol, right? So it's our duty, I think, to start studying the mind as clinicians. I strongly recommend that you get Dr. Meat's book, Heal Your Body, Heal Your Mind. And thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And if this is all confusing, there's also free videos on how to heal your gut liver uh, adrenals and emotional release exercise. Um, it's on drameet.com, D-R-A-M-E-E-T.com. And the book is actually Heal Your Body, Cure Your Mind. Isn't, yeah, it's not Heal Your Body, Heal Your Mind. It's Heal Your Body, Cure Your Mind. And that's all on the website as well. So you're welcome to watch those free videos and get an ex a taste of a beautiful emotional healing exercise that's waiting for you. I will make sure and put that website in the notes for people to easily access.
because I think this is such invaluable information. And we should definitely collaborate and do some work together. Would love to. Would love to. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Remember, you can go deeper in your healing with amazing remedies and therapies covered in your free online course and ebook on drameet.com. That's D R A M E E T.com. Lots of love and thank you. God bless.